The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. PFF Podcast is brought to you by True Car. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, the luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof? Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a True Cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Cash offer not available in all areas. The PFF NFL podcast is also brought to you by Pluto TV, the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. No credit card needed. No sign up. Pluto TV is easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo is back with Sam Monson. Yeah, you're back. You've, you've always been here. I'm back. I'm back. Me. You're back. Yeah. We had I'm Mike back. Renner in here on a Monday. I thought you were going to get Wally Pipp. You know who Wally Pipp is? Uh, baseball guy of some kind, right? Yeah. yeah. He was go. the guy who was the starting first baseman before Lou Gehrig. Mm. And, of course, Lou Gehrig, the iron horse. Yeah. Went on to play 2,130 consecutive games. Right. After replacing Wally Pipp. Yeah. You knew that. Of course. It's, I mean, it's a thing. You almost were Wally Pipped. Instead, Mike Renner did one consecutive podcast, and you're back. Right. You recovered? No, but I'm, you gotta, you know, you got to get back in the, in the chair. Otherwise, that can happen. You can lose your job due to injury. Right. If you missed, if you missed one more podcast, it was pretty much over. This is it, right? I'm glad you're back. You've got to get back on the field. Otherwise, someone's going to take your job, and you'll be the guy on the bench. You'll we be used, Drew Bledsoe while Tom Brady takes your job. There's, there's another. Great. Well, we used to say you can't make the club in the tub. Right. Right. If Drew Bledsoe got back on the field earlier, Tom Brady may not have been a thing. Well, let's not. Let's be serious here. Brady would always be a thing. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, he's even the best backup quarterback of all time, as we showed in our backup quarterback video, which is up on YouTube. All right, guys, let's get into week 15. Week 15 action, Sam. It is great to have you back. You sound better than I thought you would this week. Um, we've got our last Thursday night game of the year. Yeah. Kind of sad. A little bit. Predictive time. It's Predicting the, best. the future time. It's the best Thursday night game of the year, though. Yeah. Chiefs Chargers. At least on paper, yeah. Um, we ran through like our tally, right, of predicting the future. We're somewhere around 500. Yeah. We didn't of, do it every week. We started like week three. Right. So in terms of predicting things, and when you bear in mind the things we're predicting have been like the Nick Mullins carving up the Raiders. Very specific. Brock Osweiler's grade right. to within a decimal point, And what did I call last week? Derrick Henry going off and putting monster numbers oh, you out have, of nowhere. You haven't had a chance to do the victory lap on the Derrick Henry uh, thing. Because, yeah. you know, every Thursday night, you, you texted me all Thursday night like, this is it, Derrick Henry's going off. Yeah. Do you want to... You want to brag, celebrate? Well, no, you don't. You know, you don't. It's it's uncouth, Steve. Everybody oh. knows that I was right. Everybody knows. And that's all that matters. You're really you don't right, need though. to. You don't need to be smug about it. Otherwise, you look. You know, you look a little bit. Smug little bit, guy yeah. tells us not. Anyway, to Anyway, but the point okay. is, we went through last week after that game and kind of tallied up. You know, worked. You called Baker Mayfield. We did Andrew Luck. We swung and missed on a couple. Um, we have Christian McCaffrey, right? Nick when, Mullins. When you, when you add it up over the season, we've basically been. Around or just over 500 yeah. in terms of predicting the future. Right. Right. I mean, that, you know, that's quite hard to do. It's also tough to sustain. We're going to put this caveat in there every single time. All right, let's get right into my prediction. So, this is our last one, right? It's the last one. This is the last one we're going to do. Last Thursday night football game of the season. It's the last one we're going to do. Steve's attempt at keeping us above 500 for predicting the future. So much pressure here. I don't think that gets, you know, I don't think we make enough of that, that we've been predicting the future here. Right. So anyway. We shouldn't be able to do this. You listening, you guys listening to. So you guys have already. You've seen the Thursday night game. Steve is going to tell you what happened in the Thursday night game from the past. Most of you have seen the game. Uh, I'm picking Kansas City to win. Um, I don't think it's the same Chargers implosion. It's not the same Phillip Rivers implosion game that we've seen in the past against Kansas City. I don't think that their defense can stop the pass at that level like they have in the past. But they have Eric Berry coming back, and you weren't on the pod son, uh, Monday, but we talked about Eric Berry maybe being the Bob Sanders, the 2006 Colts Bob Sanders for this Chiefs defense. He comes back, the defense is a little wishy-washy, but boom, one guy changes the whole thing. I think Eric Berry is changing the game for this, cha- for this Chiefs defense. I don't feel great about the prediction because we're going to get specific. He's going to come right. in. So Phillip Rivers isn't going to be terrible, but Eric Berry is going to be the, the guy here. Major story. He comes back six stops. Six stops. Okay. Both against the run and in coverage. I think that's the that's the big one. But six, he's six plus. Give yourself a little wiggle. I should have said four plus. That's a monster number. Right. Six stops. Eric Berry's making plays all over the place. Maybe he has a game clinching interception oh. on a tip or okay. something like that. But Eric Berry with a huge game, immediately we feel the impact nice. of Eric Berry on the Chiefs defense and they, they win. A close, they've won a close, yes. hard fought game against the Los Angeles Chargers. Did he play well enough to keep Hunter Henry off the stat sheet? This is a no brainer. I will guarantee you right now, PFF guarantee Hunter Henry off the stat sheet in this game. Okay. Very much thanks to Eric Berry. Anyone and that doesn't know what that's in reference to should probably search Twitter for Hunter Henry. He's trending right now. <laughs> keep an eye on Hunter Henry <laughs> and Derek Johnson. Yeah. Just keep an eye. Mm-hmm. All right. Big matchup. Just keep to watch. an eye on that. I, saw, I hope you guys saw that. And Spencer Ware. 
I don't think Spencer Ware makes as big as, of an impact as other people. The, uh, the official Chargers Twitter account has also informed us that LaDainian Tomlinson, Dan Fouts, and Lance Allworth are all out. For the okay, game. so that, you know, prepare accordingly mm-hmm. for fantasy. Uh, so that's what you guys saw. You guys saw Eric Berry's return in, uh, in style. Another great story. All, all right. right. We had enough Thursday. So night. hopefully that'll keep us above 500. I hope we're going to look like geniuses. I again. hope we're retweeting this again. Mm-hmm. You know. As it happens. All right, let's get into the Week 15 action. It was enough banter, Sam. Wow. We've got to get right to it. Right to it. The big games of the week. Dallas Cowboys at the Indianapolis Colts. Who thought this would be a huge game? But it is an interesting one with Dallas riding their defense, riding Dak Prescott. I joked the other day, Dak Prescott, one of the more unimpressive 455-yard outings you're going to see. <laughs> Missing a bunch of throws, but they still had Amari Cooper going off, and you got Indi- the Indi- Indianapolis Colts who continue to improve other than that one shutout against the Jaguars. So the theme to this week might be mocking ridiculous comments by very well-paid and famous people on Twitter. Because What's this one now? Skip Bayless came out and tweeted about how Dak Prescott is basically better than Andrew Luck in every way, shape, or form. And every time one wow. of these tweets, so I don't follow him, right, for obvious reasons, but every now, like his things will appear in my timeline because other people will retweet them for whatever reason, and you get to see them. But every time one of these tweets comes out, I like check the date in case it was tweeted during some weird like Thursday night game back in 2016, where that particular comment would be less staggeringly and abrasively offensively stupid, right? Yeah, and it never is. It's always like, no, this is actually what he thinks right now. So Skip thinks that Andrew Luck is a much worse player than Dak Prescott. Um, Skip is wrong. Very, very wrong. So wrong, in fact, that you kind of wonder how he functions daily without just falling over and, you know. You're derailing the podcast. Passing out. By Sorry. Referencing that. Okay. But th- so this is, that was the, you know, we had, we had the one with the Hunter Henry versus Derek Stephen Johnson a. thing. And here's another one. Skip Bayless, Dak Prescott versus Andrew Luck. If you're looking at this game as a quarterback matchup, Andrew Luck is the far superior quarterback. However, here's the thing. Andrew Luck going up against a Cowboys defense that has made life really difficult for opposing quarterbacks for the most part over the last few weeks. And if there is a matchup for Dak that is favorable, it is the zone. It's zone-heavy teams that aren't going to maybe put a ton of pressure and this feels like one of those games where Dak will, you know, he's missed a ton of throws the last couple weeks too, but he could put up one of those high completion percentage, really efficient games against this Colts defense. So I think when we talk matchups, is Andrew Luck better than Dak Prescott? Yes. And it is by a wide margin right now. Right. The FF grade show and everything else shows it, but this could be a matchup that, uh, you know, things are a little bit closer to even, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not a quarterback-only thing, Steve, much as you would like it to be every single week. It's not. There's the rest of the team involved as well. And you're right, this Dallas defense in particular has been really fantastic of late. They're the thing that's propelling this team, right? Everyone wants to focus on Amari Cooper and the impact he's made, and that has been significant. He is a dramatically better player when he's being targeted relatively heavily, the way he wasn't in Oakland, and he's having a big impact. But their defense has been fantastic that linebacker core uh, Leighton Vander Esch Jalen Smith the the defensive front those guys are getting significant pressure um, you know Demarcus Lawrence not quite as good as he was a year ago but way better than a sort of last year was a fluke you know he's oh, definitely backing that up with authority and, and earning himself a monster contract this offseason whether it's for Dallas or somebody else that that defense is formidable in a way that the Colts isn't yeah, I think that's fair. And again, you know, the Colts have some 
Some playmakers love what Darius Leonard has done all year and everything. Yeah. And they've been impressive. I'm just, I'm just saying the way that they're matched up against Dak, this could, this could help him play a little bit better. Dak, the last couple of weeks, despite all the passing yards and all that stuff, we've seen him against the Saints, where they only scored 13 points, by the way. He had an open deep ball to just, this would have sealed the deal. Yeah. They would have gone from 13 to 20, closed the door, and he overthrows the deep pass. Last week, he had the same opportunity when they're, I think they're up seven against the Eagles, overthrows the deep pass, and his two interceptions against the Eagles, I know they came early in the game and he was much better in the fourth quarter, but two just bad interceptions, one red zone, a couple overthrows. So Dax had some ugly ones in there, but impressed with how he's bounced back and he made some nice throws down the stretch to Amari Cooper. Again, I just think they could, the short passing game should be a little bit better for Dallas in this one. Yeah, Dak Prescott is a weird quarterback in terms of he has very he fluctuates wildly when it comes to accuracy so yeah. overall he's a vaguely accurate quarterback he's middle of the pack to above average in terms of adjust to completion percentage and all that kind of thing but every now and again it's just like it's it's like a glitch right he just twitches and he's way off and it usually happens on those you know critical plays deep down the field yeah. you kind of need to hit uh, and he doesn't all too often. But he's but, made some spectacular right. plays with his legs and some nice throws down the field. So, yeah, so just hit and miss and um, still hasn't played to that you know rookie year level that he had where he was extremely well protected. Uh, but, yeah, this Cowboys defense going up against Andrew Luck is going to be a really good matchup. The Cowboys are playing with such great speed at linebacker. We've talked about him every week on here. Love the way they're playing right now. So And the last time Luck played against a pretty good defense was Jacksonville. Now, granted, that was on the road. This one's at home, but they did get shut out two weeks ago. Yeah. We, so we both went Colts in this one. Yeah. I was just looking. So I had a bad week in the picks last week. Maybe this was the precursor to my illness. I was thrown off my game, Steve. That, that Suffered a little bit in the overall pick it. competition. But we differ on two games this week, and that's the difference between you and I and the picks so far. So you could, if they both break your way. Oh, I'm two behind you? You could tie me this week. I can't wait. Can't wait to see how it all unfolds. It is. It's getting to that point where we need to start looking at other people's uh, right. Picks I'm, so I'm and now. I think I'm. That stuff. I'm two or three behind Nathan. I need to. Right. I need to start picking off those games. I need them to break my way. Otherwise, he's gonna. He's gonna run away with it. Well, best of luck. Thank you. Um, I do think it's another little bit of a test for the Indy O line as well. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. It's another. It's an O line that we said they're improved, but have they improved against poor teams? Going up against Demarcus Lawrence and company up front. You know Dallas. That's the other uh, really good test here, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And we kind of saw last week that, you know, the line has been better, but it's not great. You know, they are still, yeah, when they run up against top level competition, the Houston Texans, you know, still have a really good defensive front. They struggle badly. You know, this idea of Mark Lewinsky, <laughs> that's going to come back to haunt you at some point. And then Costanzo has kind of struggled the past couple of weeks. Um, in terms of pass protecting, he's had two of his worst games for a long time at left tackle. Right. Uh, against, I mean, admittedly against top-level competition, Houston, Jacksonville, you know, Yannick Ngakwe, J.J. Watt, uh, Javdevian Clowney, those are tough people to be trying to block, but he stunk. He stunk. Stunk. All right. So we're all taking Indy. We didn't give you good reasons for it. I mean, I think ultimately Andrew <laughs> Luck's going to make enough plays. Right, he's the better quarterback. And, and the Colts' defense is much improved. I'm just, the matchups are going to, I think it's going to be one of the games of the week. It's going to be a good one. They're at home, Steve. <laughs> we just defer to the home team. Uh, good analysis, Sam. Thanks. Let's get to the uh, other big matchup. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the New England Patriots. Uh, so much to unpack in this one. 
because over the last few years, obviously, maybe the two top teams in the AFC year in, year out, but the Patriots have the Steelers' number since about 2011, I think it was the last time that they lost. And of course, uh, Tom Brady absolutely tears apart the Pittsburgh defense, uh, and they've tried different things against him. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, when you're looking at this matchup, the Steelers generally like to blitz a lot. We've seen Brady pick apart the blitz. They tried to go three-man rush in the AFC Championship a couple years ago. That was too easy for the Patriots as well. Last year, they tried to play man coverage. They hate playing man coverage. They did it anyway. They slowed the Patriots down until the fourth quarter, and they couldn't cover Gronk. Yeah. Um, and Brady had his highest-graded game of the year. So what do the Steelers do this time? Well, that's the most fascinating thing about this matchup is you don't often see – Two teams playing each other, and one of them has literally no idea what they should be doing to try and stop the other one, right? Yeah. I mean, whether they can achieve it or not is a different matter. You, you, know, you see some teams just can't beat the other team because of a matchup that doesn't work or because of a particular schematic problem. But the Steelers don't know how to stop Tom Brady and the Patriots' offense. They've tried everything. They keep cycling through things that they think might work, whether it's something they do well or not. Because and the, the man coverage thing, I think, was the closest they've come to actually achieving it. It was the right thing to do. There was just an, there was a, an Achilles heel in the system, which is that Sean Davis was one-on-one with Rob Gronkowski, and that was a problem. And that might not be – so that was kind of like the way you were going to beat New England is to, is to play man coverage. But that was more last year, last year right. than this year. This year, New England with Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, they're much more equipped to handle man coverage. So it's not like there's this – perfect blueprint against new england no last year they had to try it i mean miami had success with it and other teams right. had a little bit of success with it the steelers just they're, they're the one of the most zone heavy teams in the nfl and they tried to go out of their comfort zone right and that was so that was last year this year they've become a lot more balanced in terms of man zone coverage um but there's a lot less of an obvious blueprint to defeating the patriots right so now you're back to this <laughs> what the hell do they do Right, and that's that's the the single most fascinating thing in this game is just identifying exactly what defensive game plan the Steelers come out with because they've tried everything against this team to try and beat their their nemesis essentially and get further into the playoffs and actually try and, and win another Super Bowl, um, and they always have faith that their offense can score, but they can't win the shootout yet because the Patriots will typically find a way of slowing them down, and they just haven't been able to do it the other way. Since 2015, Tom Brady's grade when facing the Steelers, 95.4. They played in the regular season. They've played four times. Regular season 2015, twice in 2016, early, uh, late last year. So it's just, I just cut it as a four-game sample. But 95.4 PFF grade, uh, completing about 70% of his passes, plus another 10 drops. So only one turnover-worthy play. That was last year, 11, uh, 11 big-time throws. So Brady has definitely carved them up. Uh, we saw the Steelers a couple weeks ago getting torn up by Keenan Allen against linebackers. Yeah, and if the, and again, if they play that same type of coverage, that's that's Julian Edelman's going to have 15 catches, right? Yeah. James White, the where the Steelers are a little bit better this year, you know, Joe Hayden on the outside and Mike Hilton, you know, they could do some pretty good stuff as far as matching up with the Patriots. This feels like one of those games where it gets back to a middle of the field game for the Patriots passing attack against the line the Steelers linebackers, who statistically are some of the worst in the NFL passer rating against, touchdowns against, yards per attempt. So I think it's a middle-of-the-field game for New England passing offense. Yeah, the Steelers' defense is interesting because they consistently play better than you think they should looking at their talent level, but only against 
bad to below average teams. Well, look at my look at the breakdown here. Since 2015, you want to see the sure. these are the QB grades, right? Got? So you got Brady at 95. Uh-huh. You have Derek Carr at 88. Philip Rivers at 78. Those are all good grades. Those are pretty good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. The bottom end of the list. This is quarterbacks with at least 50 attempts against the Steelers. Austin Davis with a 34 grade. Mm-hmm. Tyrod with a 48 grade. A.J. McCarron, 52. Deshaun Kaiser, 56. Flacco, 58. Fitzpatrick, 61. Bortles, 62. Dalton, 65. So they do pretty well against the bad quarterbacks. Right. And, all, and, and this, this would happen for a lot of teams. But like the, remember the Chiefs a couple years ago? We always said the Chiefs have had good games against right. Brady. They had so, good games against Peyton and better quarterbacks. So this defense generally overachieves against poor opposition and then gets exposed when they come up against really good opposition. Yes. And I think it's almost like they underachieve against the best and overachieve against the worst, and it kind of evens out to somewhere in the middle. But it means that when they go up against a team like the Chargers, they just get carved to pieces. Right. And typically when they run up against the Patriots, they get really badly exposed, and that's their biggest problem. You want an interesting stat yes, for, I do. The, uh, for I do. the Steelers' defense? Bud Dupree, a player we don't exactly love, um, Hasn't been grading particularly well. Has 38 total pressures this season. Yep. 10 of which were unblocked. Wow. So more than a quarter. And he's rushed 403 times. Yes. More than a quarter of Bud Dupree's total pressure this season has come unblocked. Yeah. That's a ridiculous level. It's not great. No. Um, somewhat along those lines, but TJ Watt, you know, it's just the way the Steelers play. TJ Watt's dropped into coverage. He's an edge rusher. He's dropped into coverage 107 times. Yeah. Without not, and he's got 10 sacks. So he's not a great coverage player. Again, from a matchup standpoint, this is the type of stuff that New England generally likes to go against. Um, other side of the ball, some Big Ben numbers that I tweeted out. Uh-huh. He's got the fifth highest percentage of uncatchable passes beyond the sticks. And the rest of the guys that he's with in the bottom five, Mitch Trubisky, it's all the rookies. Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, and then Big Ben. And this goes back to what we've been saying all season. He's got the big-time throws. He's number five in that this year. He's still making special plays, but he is missing way more throws than he ever has. Right, and so many of them have been targeting Antonio Brown. Right, right. so That's Antonio Brown, his, his grade is the worst of his career, I think, at this point. Um, and it's not because he's worse. Like he has, Antonio Brown didn't become worse in, in the last 12 months. It's because, I mean, he's a relatively quarterback-dependent receiver, right? He's not this physically imposing monster who can get big plays regardless of who the quarterback is. We've seen throughout his career, it's usually when Ben Roethlisberger goes down hurt and Landry Jones comes in or, you know, that's Josh That's more Dubs. Landry Jones' fault. Though. But that's what I'm saying, right? This is the point I'm making, is that the quarterback comes in, it's the backup, and he's terrible, and suddenly Antonio Brown's production dis- dries off it dries away it disappears he had that run of you know five catches on 50 yards every single game of his career and then that was broken i think when landry jones came in yep. it's like you literally can't stop this guy from getting production except when the quarterback is terrible now this season it's kind of been the same story except the quarter the terrible quarterback play has been ben roethlisberger like in the past it's always been when he goes down the guy coming in off the bench is terrible right and he can't get antonio brown the ball this time it's been Roethlisberger who can't get him the ball. He's just been missing him way too much. Now, you're still getting a lot of incredible plays from Ben Roethlisberger, but for whatever weird reason, they've almost all gone to Juju Smith-Schuster. He hasn't been, he hasn't been making the plays to Antonio Brown, which is where they That's normally good. go. That's a good point. And so many of the misses 
have gone to Antonio Brown. Like Antonio Brown's catch percentage at the moment is 62. That's, I mean, Michael so Thomas low. is catching almost 90% of his right. passes. It's really low for Antonio, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is at 62. And I haven't rechecked, rechecked the numbers, but highest percentage of just uncatchable passes right. thrown that way, it's been Antonio Brown pretty I mean, much. That, it's 10% sorry, lower yeah. than Juju's. Yep. Uh, New England, uh, you, when you, I've told Patriots fans, hey, they've got our number two coverage grade overall. And I think every team in the NFL, except maybe Bears fans, just like hates their pass coverage this year. Like, oh, yeah. our defense is terrible. Um, but the Patriots overall have covered extremely well. But last last week was a disaster even before the Miami Miracle. 42.1 coverage grade last week against Miami. By far their lowest of the season. But they were coming off two of their best against the Jets and Vikings. This is an important matchup. Stephon Gilmore is our number two graded corner. Him going up against Juju and Antonio Brown is going to be a big one. I Did you spend an extended period on the podcast talking about the Miami Miracle on Monday? No, we no? saved um, all of the... We don't want. We don't have time for an extended period, but we saved all the rugby discussion for you. You going to do a video on this again? That thing went big time it on did. all the it rugby did. blogs. It did. It went big time. This is this is a beautiful example of simple rugby principles, and the addition of Gronk as a free safety will give you a, a touchdown. That's all you have to do. Gronk right. is no Jimmy Sexton. You execute some simple J- John Johnny Sexton. Johnny Sexton. You execute some simple rugby principles, Johnny Sexton. and you put Rob Gronkowski a free safety, and you'll get a try. Uh, John John Sexton was a uh, pitcher on my on my college team. Yeah, he was a senior my freshman year. John probably not Sexton. the same guy. Football coach, right? Well, he could be. I mean, it could be. Probably, we didn't call him Johnny though, so it's probably no. just it was John Sexton. Yeah, John, if you're listening, shout out to you <laughs> or Johnny if you're listening. Possible. Um, so we're all taking New England except Neil and Gordon, both taking Pittsburgh. Wow, is this the year that Pittsburgh and they're at home? Yeah, help a little bit. Uh, let me just sum it up real quick. With Plus, this. they fixed the uh, the rule that screwed them last time. That's true. That that would have been a catch. Pittsburgh, uh, New England won, but Pittsburgh played, I think, a perfect game last year. They controlled the clock, right. kept it out of New England's hands. Other than the Sean Davis Gronk thing. Other than that, they but the game flow was in their favor. Yeah, they kept the ball away from Brady for the most part. But then they gave the ball back to the Patriots in the fourth quarter and couldn't stop them. Brady and Gronk were both incredible. Right. Um. They even got a turnover. I mean, there was a lot of good in last right. year's match. That's what I'm saying. It was the right call. They just there was a there was a problem, right? There was yeah. a, there was an Achilles heel in that defensive scheme. And to be honest, they're probably better equipped to do it this year. Now it might not matter because, like we said, the, it's not the same like my silver bullet that it was right. a year ago against the Patriots. But I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's going to be a, a good cat and mouse game again, Patriots and the Steelers. Let's get to some of the other games. We've got two Saturday games to get to, Sam. Saturday games. We're already, it's December. We're getting into some Saturday action. The Houston Texans at the New York Jets. Uh, last week, you and I talked about, eh, maybe the Texans aren't as good as we thought. They did lose to the Indianapolis Colts. Texans Finally. Fans, of course, weren't happy for us disrespecting them, but we do expect them to bounce back here at New York. Yeah. Um, the Jets however, we have to discuss... The ginger theory. Yes. Yes. So yes. last year, I, I forget which podcast listener did a great job. Are we putting up the Venn. Why don't we have the Venn diagram we on the We've got to get the, the Venn diagram on the, the YouTube uh, breakdown here. Yeah. Long story short, podcast mm-hmm. listener a couple years ago said, there's only so much ginger quarterback talents to go around yes. the NFL. So you've got last year, Carson Wentz was the guy. And it gets hoarded by one guy. Yes. So like 2015, Carson Palmer. Had all the ginger talent. Had, had an MVP it. caliber season. He did. Uh, last year it was all Carson Wentz Mm -hmm. and the Venn diagram shows Carson Wentz has all of it except you know a little smidge for Andy Dalton and a little smidge for Carson Palmer last year yeah because Dalton and Palmer struggled this year 
it almost perfectly went. Carson Wentz is injured, mm-hmm. so Andy Dalton has a good first couple of weeks. Right. Then Wentz comes back, steals back the ginger power. Mm-hmm. Now they're both, and Palmer's retired. Right now they're both down. And Darnold actually, Darnold had some good ginger talent too. Only when Carson Wentz was injured this right. year. So now Wentz is down. Yes, injured is back. Dalton's Dalton's down. Driscoll's starting, which means the only ginger left in the NFL at quarterback... Sam Darnold. ...is Sam Darnold, which means the final few weeks of the season is going to be Sam Darnold MVP. Going off. Sam Darnold is going to go crazy down the stretch here. He's going to beat the Texans. He's going to beat the Patriots. Yes. Sam Darnold for the last three weeks. Keep an eye on it. If you guys are in your fantasy playoffs, just keep an eye on Sam Darnold starting this week. So we have this beautifully illustrated by a Venn diagram with with the circle of ginger talent and how it gets swung around and allocated to the the specific ginger. Last year's breakdown was good. So much Wentz and then, you know, a little Dalton, a little Palmer. But now that everybody's hurt. Yes, it's all Darnold. He's going to have the entire circle of the ginger talent. We work really hard to give good analysis, and then mm-hmm. we just ruin it by listening to our listeners and the ginger talent. But Don't say this is the, the finest thing we've ever done. Are you getting Eric and George to work this into their calculations? I told them. Right, because this is, this is important stuff. I sent the diagram. The teams need to know this. There's yeah. no point in giving them you know, all this advanced war stuff if it doesn't have the ginger stuff baked into it. I mean, then you're going to take a guy who you know has no shot because all the ginger talent's over there. It's true. I mean, I'm, you know. Uh, the other thing to watch in this game, perhaps, is the Texans' defensive line going up against the Jets' offensive line. Okay. What do you think? J- yeah. Does it right. even matter? I mean, it matters. Like, <laughs> as much as he's predestined to have a great game and yeah. a great few games. The Jets are still number 22 in pass-blocking grade yes. for PFF. Sam so. Darnold has one of the roughest situations of any quarterback in the NFL. Not as rough yeah. as Josh Rosen's or arguably Josh Allen's. In fact, it's a pretty stinking year for the rookies to be thrown in at the deep end. You know, Baker's in a reasonable situation, albeit some questionable tackle play. Lamar Jackson's in a pretty good, got a pretty good gig, I guess, in oh, no, Baltimore. We were talking about the other day. Darnold, Allen, and Rosen, bottom three right, offensive situations. Right, but the other three are situations. screwed. Yeah, bottom three offensive situations in the NFL, and it, and it showed in their performances this year. We're all taking Houston in this one, which... We need to. We haven't lived up. We haven't really bought into the theory enough because well, we, we didn't. Picked. We I think we, we probably didn't think about it until after we'd done the picks. That's true, actually. Um, so the picks came before we uh, we really thought about it. Before you remembered our own ginger theory. Yep. Uh, Browns at the Broncos. That's the uh, Saturday night game. Uh, Denver Broncos disappointing effort last week yeah. against San Francisco. They could not cover Greg. Uh, Greg George Kittle could not cover Kittle anywhere across uh, around the field. For the first half. In the first half. Second half was fine. Um, I Really, I, I hate deferring to the home and away thing, but Denver... They are the completely different. They have such a... Away. They're so much better at home. Right. And then you've got Baker Mayfield and the Browns on the other side. Baker coming off one of the... Another really good game. Since they he have uh, Freddie Kitchens, that offense is rolling. This is one of those games where, you know, every week there's a couple of games that you're on the fence about. could go either way. This is one of those. This is as, up there, As yeah. much as I think... Like Denver, a completely different team at home than they are on the road, so they would be the favorites. It's at home. Still, the Browns are they are kind of legit with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Now, obviously, he's capable of having those bad games as well. We saw that against the Texans, throwing some ugly, ugly interceptions. But he's really good. And did you watch? The, have you finally got your ESPN Plus working? Have you been able to see these Peyton Manning I haven't sat down episodes? I do have my ESPN Plus though. So he had one on Baker Mayfield and. I don't think it was in this, but he in one of the one of the episodes he was talking about the importance of 
play fakes. You know, young yeah. he's all all of his stuff is young quarterbacks. This is really important. Some mind like minor esoteric detail that only Peyton Manning cares about, and everyone else just yeah. plays just for young quarterbacks. Yeah, he spends two minutes talking about this thing that you need to be really good at in order to be a good quarterback, and you probably don't. Yeah, but. Baker Mayfield's play fakes are obscenely good. They're really good. Like, he had the touchdown he got this week, um, the kind of trick play where they fake the pitch, you know, that dive pitch thing. They fake the pitch, handed it back to a guy working across the formation. If you you don't know what's happening, you have to watch that a couple of times to even see where the ball went. Does it really matter, though? Because linebackers are key in offensive linemen. Are they really watching? Not always, though. It depends on the system and what you're doing. It doesn't hurt to be good at it. Right. I mean, it makes a big difference a lot of time. And as much as linebackers in a lot of systems are keying on offensive linemen, defensive backs aren't. Like, there's a lot of players that are going to get fooled out by a really good play fake, particularly when it's a play fake that determines run pass, not simply where the ball is going. So, you know, there are play fakes within the run game to to disguise which guy is getting the ball. Now, those won't necessarily matter for linebackers who are keying on offensive linemen and all that kind of stuff because the blocking scheme is the same. But there are also play fakes that obviously are, you know, play action. They're determining whether it's run pass. Right. And there are guys in the secondary that are definitely going to get screwed up by those. So, yeah, but I mean, he's executed some ridiculously effective play fakes, which is just another thing that it turns out he's really good at. I get for a guy who turns out he's really good at a lot of things. Yes. Uh, number 10 quarterback right now, uh, Baker Mayfield in our grading. Uh, Denzel Ward was just ruled out. This is breaking. On oh, Thursday nice. afternoon, Adam Schefter ruled out due to concussions. Emmanuel Sanders is out for the season for Denver. So, you know, they're trying to still find uh, their way, replacing Emmanuel Sanders and getting some more Cortland Sutton involved we, uh, there. We, so this, what was it, week 11, we were saying, and the Browns are still in the hunt for the yeah. playoffs. They're technically still alive. Oh, the, like the AFC is just a wide open the, mess. The chances of them actually doing anything are like, Minuscule. I can't remember what our specific PFF percentage chance of them making the playoffs is, but it's very small. Yeah. But we are now entering what week fifteen? Yes. And the Browns are still alive, still relevant for the playoff picture. Still relevant. When was, I? I would like to know when the last time that was true is that week fifteen the Browns were still alive in the playoff hunt. Two thousand fourteen was it? When Hoyer yeah. was there? Maybe. I mean, this team has gone from a, you know a disaster to an actual relevant. They they've got a shot at. at a 500 record. Yeah. Um, Denver, uh, Philip Lindsay, and then Devontae Booker in a much smaller sample size. Highest yards per attempt in the NFL among running backs. They're getting incredible yards before contact. Run blocking has been, yes. has been very good. Cleveland, number 30 run defense grade in our uh, PFF grading. I think as much as we don't talk about the run game, if it's, if it's really lopsided... It can help, and that's how Denver, you know, these big runs that Philip Lindsay's been able to pull off, I think that uh, could be a factor in this And one. Royce Freeman is grading extremely well as well. Yep. So he's got 19 broken tackles and 102 carries, which is way more than Philip Lindsay. They've got this actually really dynamic group of running backs because the, if your run blocking is really good and you're actually opening significant holes, the, there's a pretty good argument to say that what you want at that point is simply the fastest human being you can carrying the ball a guy that can get through that hole Saquon. and just... Give me Saquon. Right, me just somebody that has elite guy. speed. It's like Jamal Charles always had this incredibly high yards before carry figure, and it wasn't necessarily because the blocking was amazing. 
it was because when the blocking was good, he had the speed to fire through a hole and be 15 yards deep before anybody could get near him. Right. Now, Philip Lindsay's having the same kind of thing happen to him, but then you have the other end of the scale, which is Royce Freeman, who, if the blocking isn't as good, can still break tackles, make guys miss, fall forward, gain a significant amount of yards after contact, uh, and make plays that way. So you've got a guy, you've got the best of both worlds, really, in both those guys having an impact. So there you go. We're uh, You and I are taking Denver. Yeah, they're at home, and, Steve. Uh, they're a different team at home. Even Neil's taking Denver. Wow. Neil going against Baker is, is crazy. Yeah, that doesn't happen often. All right, Tampa Bay Bucks. We're going rapid fire now. Sure. Through most of the rest of Let's this. Let's see what happens. We'll see with certain games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tampa Bay Bucks at the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, has first loss as a starting NFL He's quarterback now last week. the starter. He's the starter. Officially. Is Joe Flacco an elite backup? <sighs> uh, Lamar Jackson, let's just sum it up. Exactly what we had said to this point, right? Good in the design running game and inconsistent as a passer. Right, and I'm of the opinion that naming him the starter is the right move, right? Yeah, of course. Because... Not because he's – I don't actually think he's a better quarterback than Joe Flacco right now. But he is a far harder quarterback to defend against, which it's, ultimately is kind of the point, right? It's good, it's good it doesn't matter if a guy is objectively better than you, snap for snap. Right. But if he causes you more problems on defense, you don't want to face that guy. Lamar's running the, the, the Tebow type of offense. When Tebow yes. was there in 2010 through 12 or whatever that little stretch was – where they were winning a ton of games right. by shortening the game. He wasn't completing a ton of passes. He wasn't turning the ball over. <laughs> and they were doing just enough on the run, in the running. How many runs is Lamar made? He's taking a lot of runs. He's doing a good job of actually not taking hits. A lot of runs that just aren't there. And he's yeah. running out of bounds and taking the two yards. And um, I tweeted it out the other day because people are like, hey, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen are... They're doing the same exact thing. And right. They're not you, at all. Rushing yards-wise, they are. But the, the real breakdown is... Uh, just like in college, almost all of Lamar's rushing yards are through the, the the designed running game. Josh Allen's are coming from scrambles. Lamar Jackson, when he drops back to pass, is looking to pass. He rarely takes off. Yeah. He took off way more in the preseason than I expected. Right, and there's something. So it's again, it's like all things with football. That isn't a black and white stat that points to one thing. Right now. There is so, there's a part of that that is made up of the fact that Buffalo's pass protection is bad and Baltimore's well, is less bad. Well, that's what everybody was saying in my right. comments, so right? So that's a factor. It's definitely a part of it. There's a percentage of that number that is down to the fact that Buffalo's pass protection is not no. good. It's QB tendency. It's, it's, it's a percentage of it. It's not a high percentage, though. A much bigger part of that is the fact that, well, one, even that number itself, that percentage is probably offset by the fact that Josh Allen holds the ball longer than anybody else in the game, right? So what, yeah, you, yeah, lose, sure. what you lose in the pass protection not being great, you gain back in the fact that most of it is Josh Allen's fault for holding the ball anyway, yeah. right? But by far the biggest part of that is a tendency thing. That is, Josh Allen is really the one read and run guy. Which, which is what everybody thinks Lamar Jackson is. Yeah. When Lamar Jackson is told to drop back and pass, he's dropping back and he's working through his progression. He's passing. He is very rarely taken off and running from that situation. When he runs, it's because somebody told him to run the ball. It's not because he's one read and run, which is what everybody thinks a spectacular athletic quarterback is and what they usually are. And, and the, the same issue with Lamar Jackson, that game-tying touchdown that he had against the Chiefs, it's in the red zone, surveying the field, makes a really nice throw. They tie the game up. So there are, there are enough throws like that where Lamar looks really good. 
But then you see them in this, you know, they're down again, must-pass situation, little slant flat, and he throws this little wobbler. It's right. about knee-high. So That's the inconsistency as a passer that is an issue for Lamar Jackson. And right that's now. the big problem with, the, with this style of offense, right? It's that you are really well-equipped over the course of a game to do this because it's so hard to defend. But situationally, you may have problems. Yep. So when you find yourself down in an obvious must-pass situation, can you go from being a 66% run team to an every-down-passing team knowing that that's your quarterback's weakness? Oh, it's, it's a big question. Like, that's a problem. That's, that's the issue. So um, the thing that the Ravens can do is shorten the game and all that fun stuff, and uh, they're doing that pretty well so far. Um, they have run up against some pretty bad run defenses, too, while they're doing That'll this. That'll help. So that certainly does help as well. Uh, we're all taking Baltimore, though. Uh, but this, this feels like one of those games where Jameis just pulls one out, right? Jameis pulls one out with you, some high-end I mean, play. You think every game is a game that Jameis Winston is going to Oh, no. Play. He's going to have some bad ones in there, too. But Right. But if you go into a game, every single game, any you game think could is be the Jameis game. game. Any game could be the game. Arizona Cardinals at the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Matt Ryan's dome splits uh-huh. got even worse last week. The yeah. dome outdoor... So I haven't updated it, but it was a 61 grade <laughs> before we went into Green Bay. Had a poor game. Um, Zach, you know, Zach was showing me the uh, the pick six again on the end zone cam the other day. He goes, just look at this ball come out of his hand. Wobbly and bad. He really is throwing the ball poorly outdoors. This yeah. Year. I mean, that's a concern. It is. I and mean, this was not this week. Remember but right overall. at the start of the season. In Philadelphia. Like, what what yeah. has happened to his arm? Yep. Like his arm was fine at the end of last season. What what happened to it? Yeah, it's not great. Uh, it's like the Peyton Manning thing where he came back at the start of the season. It's like, oh, wow, you can't throw. Yeah. But at least he had like a you know, career-threatening neck injury to explain it. Yeah, it, it was cold and all that fun stuff. But uh, Matt Ryan, a little concerning outdoors, but they're in a dome. Expect him to, uh, to get back on track against this Cardinals team. You are We're terrible. all taking Atlanta in this one. Yeah. That's quick hitting. So, you know. Well done, yeah. Green Bay Packers at the Chicago Bears. This will be a fun matchup. The Bears are rolling defensively. Great game last week against the Rams. We've seen them against the Minnesota offense. The Bears uh, pretty comfortably our highest graded defense this year. Yeah. You want it? So you've been that, that intro there was very positive for Chicago fans, but that's not that's not the tack we've taken with them so far this season. So can I bring them back down to earth? I picked Green Bay, so don't worry about it. Okay, perfect. I'm the only one to pick Green Bay. You want to know what Chicago's Super Bowl winning percentage is this season right now? Yes. 3%. Ooh. 3%. There you go, Bears fans. Make this into a video. Now, this, here's the thing, this, right? Bears have a 3% chance to win the Super Bowl. We're going to get 8,000 <laughs> thumbs downs, but I don't care. Well, let's talk it out, right? Because I, I asked the question of Eric and George, our analytics guys. I was like, what, is, what are the Bears' chances of winning the Super Bowl right Can now? Can I explain why? I'll explain why before you even You want to explain why? Yes. Okay, you explain why. Fine. That's, because they're not right. getting a bye. And why is that important? Because they have one extra game to potentially lose. So when you're putting these odds together, the four teams that are getting a bye are all going to be over 10%. So what's like New Orleans is up at 25, and the Rams might be at 10 to 15. 30. 30. 30. So whatever. They're all above 10, right? Well, yeah. Every single team that's in the wild card round has a whole extra game to potentially lose, so immediately they're in like the 1% to 5% range. You know what the other thing is? What? Trubisky. Oh, that too. Of course. So, But they, he had a shoulder injury. He's got a shoulder injury. That's why he was bad the other day. Yeah. So, Because when I asked the question and they came back and they were like 3%, I was like, wow, that's really low for a team that's going to win their division. They're going to have a good record. They have arguably the best all, 15th ranked de- defense all I'm saying is if you, in the league. If you could somehow take that same exact Chicago team – and give them a buy, it becomes 10 to 15% like some of those right. other so teams. So 
Eric started explaining it out when I asked him, right? And when you hear it explained out, it actually makes a lot of sense. Right, give me your explanation. They, well, they're going to have to play at least three games to make the oh, Super Bowl, right? right? And if you assume they're going to be a 50-50 proposition in those three games, that immediately becomes a 12.5% proposition. You're just starting at Just a winning three games, if you're 50-50, is going to be 12.5%, yeah. right? That's just to get to the Super Bowl, let alone winning the Super Bowl. Let's say that's another 50-50 proposition. Again, you're down to like six. So just without, like you said, by not having the buy, you're down in single digits immediately, right? Now you have to factor in, A, you're going to be traveling for a couple of those games probably. Mm -hmm. B, in every single one of those games, you're going to be the inferior quarterback because Drew Brees, because you know every quarterback they're going to have to run into in the playoffs. Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins. Is going to be better likely than Russell Wilson. Trubisky, right? Russell, who are we talk about? Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, um, who's coming out of the Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Why are we doing the this Bears? Off the top of our heads? Well, that's that's the Dak. four. That's the four. Um, yeah, that's the four Dak, division Cousins winners, and right? Wilson. Then yeah, then Dak and Cousins are the other two potential, right? So let's say one of those you get through the wild card, Dak or Cousins. You may be a you know better in that one or a 50-50 proposition. Whatever. Let's be kind. Let's say they're the better quarterback in that one. Every game from that point on, you're going to be the worst quarterback because you're going to be going against the other four, the other three winners who are all better. Don't forget the Bears have already beaten Kirk Cousins then, and Russell Wilson. Then you get into the Super Bowl where you're going and to Jared get Goff. waxed by Patrick Mahomes or Phillip Rivers or Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger. There's no chance you're the better quarterback there as well. So you're but starting the Bears off. have a better defense. Yeah, but you have the teams. worst quarterback, which is a more important part of winning games. Of course it is. So you're immediately in the single digits. That's assuming everything's equal, but yet they're not because you're going to have to go on the road and face better quarterbacks. So the Bears fans, the Bears have a 3% chance of winning the Super Bowl, even if you're really good and rolling right now. Unlucky. Ouch. Trubisky's down in the 20s in passer rating now, so he's wow. coming back down to earth. Still over 90, though. Um, bad shoulder or not, he was rough on... Uh, on Sunday night. Uh, Bears defense, win, though. though, give them the credit. Top three, mentioned this on NFL Network this week, three cornerbacks in the top 20 in coverage grade. That's to this point. Now, Bryce Callahan's yeah, out. One of whom just went down. That's one of them. Problem. Um, but Prince of Mukamara and uh, Fuller, Kyle. Kyle Fuller. I have to think every single time right. before I say his name. Yeah. Uh, stupid Fuller brothers. <laughs> but uh, that's going to be a good matchup. They, these teams haven't played since week one. Remember, Aaron Rodgers got hurt and then made that yep. very impressive comeback where Fuller did drop what would have been a game-ending interception. Uh-huh. Uh, by the way, Rodgers uh, had one of his worst games passing the ball I was ball say, last kind week. of ironic, right? You get rid of the problem. Mike McCarthy's gone. Aaron Rodgers is going to be great again. We win. Rodgers didn't play very well. But his QBR was the best he's ever had. Of course it was. He had the best QBR of his season mm-hmm. and one of his worst PFF grades because yeah. Deion Jones dropped interceptions. Damn it, Deion. So Aaron Rodgers still sitting there with one interception as we head into week 15, though he should have had at least three or four. It's over like Dion is just out to screw me this past few weeks. Didn't yeah. come back when he was supposed to, and then does come back and dropped interceptions all over the shop. Either way, I'm taking Green Bay in this one. What am Everybody I doing? Everybody else is taking I Chicago. Take... Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I think Chicago's going through this tough run of, uh, you know. This rapid fire well, thing well. hasn't worked that well. It's pretty much your fault. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not apportioning blame. I'm just saying it's Tennessee it's Titans at the New York Giants. Okay. What do you got? Saquon. Yeah. He's playing really well. He is. He's playing. So people keep kind of trying to use. Keep it tight, but make the point. People keep trying to say gotcha with the Saquon Barkley thing because PFF was not 
We didn't like the pick at number two. Not just right? us. Everybody, a lot of people didn't. Whatever. Like but a lot this of is gotcha. our podcast, Steve, so I'm focusing on us, if yes. that's okay with you. Selfish. Um, and the point is, yeah, he's playing fantastically, and it doesn't matter. Because if you don't have the quarterback, you're not going to be in contention, and that's all that matters, right? He cannot play well enough for it to be the right decision to take him over a quarterback at number two. And the logic that would you not rather have Saquon Barkley at two, a generational running back talent, than pick a quarterback this draft or pick a quarterback last draft and take whatever you're left with in the middle of the first round? The answer is no. You would not rather that because, one, you have no idea what situation you're going to be in in this draft. Let's say Saquon was that good and he, he propels you to 10 wins and you're picking at the ass end of the first round and there's nobody available for, to, for you to take a quarterback. That's bad. Now you don't have a quarterback and you're screwed again. Um, alternatively, let's say exactly what's happened has happened. He's fantastic. You're going to end up somewhere in the middle range. Now you have to go find a quarterback. And they don't appear to be that great this year. Nope. And you just passed up a bunch that did look pretty good. Now, okay, they're struggling, but we've talked about their terrible quarterback situations. You could have had the pick of the quarterbacks outside of Baker Mayfield in, last, in the last draft. And if you really wanted the quarterback, if you decided that the one guy capable of being a franchise quarterback was Baker Mayfield, you could have gone to number one and taken him. Like, it's not like Ooh, you were locked you in to number two. Ooh, that would have been a good move. Right. I'm just saying, Saquon Barkley is a great, great running back. He's shown the incredible talent. He has tidied up a lot of his tendency to want to bounce it outside and not take the hard yards in the middle he's mm-hmm. done really impressively this season like that's the thing that's the story of his season honestly we knew this guy was a spectacular talent but he's gotten a lot better at just taking the ugly yards as opposed to going no i want to bounce this outside for 15 and losing five he's gotten a lot better at that and it still doesn't matter it's still the wrong call to take him at two all right what are you taking this week uh titans titans i'm taking the giants Got them still rolling. Mm-hmm. My under win bet is is in uh, jeopardy though over these last few weeks, uh, along with your other bets. Yeah, Having said good. that, the next game can we go? Can we go the next game. Just Raiders to, at Bengals, right? Yeah. Wait, how many wins do I need for the Raiders? I th- we can't. This even, could be one of them. None of us can remember, but I think it's six. If you basically five, you need I'm them feeling, to win out, right? If they get to five, I'm you need them good. to win out, and including last I have week, to play the Chiefs one time. Whatever. I don't care about my bet. You anymore. need them to win out. Right, including last week, which was the game they shouldn't have won. No, they beat, they the, beat Steelers. the Steelers. Now they get to face the Jeff Driscolls, and they're going to win that one, right? So they're going to win this one. So the Raiders are going to go on a little run just to make you think that you're going to save lunch, and it's not going to happen. We're all taking Oakland. Uh, Derek Carr over the last two weeks, the top-graded PFF right. quarterback. He was making some pretty special throws against He's Pittsburgh. quietly gotten back on track. Yes. Um, hasn't thrown an interception since week five. Has eight on the season. He had eight through the first five weeks, has not thrown one since week five. I know it's, you know, you've got some turnover-worthy plays in there as well, but he's throwing the ball much better these last couple weeks, a little bit more aggressive down the field. Uh, Derek Carr continues to be a bit of an enigma because he does balance back and forth between, like, crazy boneheaded decisions, (laughs) super conservative, and then showing off just some of the just ridiculous throws that he's capable of making. Yeah, I mean, so when he got... He got kind of broken, right? He was playing fantastically, got that broken ankle. He can't be broken. When their entire season went, went, you know, almost disappeared, essentially, uh, or did disappear. And then the point was he's never looked the same guy since. It's, and he's always looked pretty rough. Um, and looked, he's made some horrible, horrible decisions 
when even when he was under pressure, but even when pressure wasn't really there, you just oh, the reach this pressure. You reach this point where he panics and just throws the ball away or does something weird in the pocket. But again, not only has he been playing better the last few weeks, that has disappeared. So the last three weeks, his passer rating under pressure is 111. His PFF grade under pressure is 67.9, which is uh, it's it's a high figure for being under pressure. It's yep. not the it's, it's not a high figure for a general, but it's like it's top ten, right? So it's right behind Philip Rivers and right ahead of Aaron Rodgers. He has, over the past few weeks, started to look like the guy that was the next sort of impressive young quarterback before he broke his ankle. Yeah, like that's one of the that's kind of one of the stories of this season. If the Raiders actually get Derek Carr back on track. That franchise we, is in a lot better position than we thought they were. There's still a chance that they move on from them just because of the money and because they've got all those picks. Right. But So that's going to be an off-season story because it did look like early in the season, John Gruden just looked like he was fed up <laughs> early on. But who in Gruden's getting rid of everybody. So we get an off-season discussion on yeah, that one. But alternatively, if you decide he is back on track, now you have all these picks to build a team around him. Oh, I agree. I think... Something to keep an eye on down the stretch here with Carr. Uh, we're all taking Oakland, except for Gordon taking the Bengals and the Fighting Driscolls. Uh, Detroit Lions at the Buffalo Bills. The full Josh Allen experience the last couple of weeks here, Sam. Going from team of the week quarterback to bad again. Yeah. Despite rushing for 101 yards. I mean, he's just all over the place right now. Drop my pen. Nice. nice. He's just all over the place right now. Yeah. Um, last, I mean, he's much like Lamar. Pretty much what we expected, minus how much he's done on the ground. Right. He's got he, the most rushing yards of any quarterback right now. He's a little bit like Cam Newton in terms of when you look at a guy, when I look at a guy like that in college, nicely done, um, you look at him and you say, there's no way that translates to the next level where the athletes are bigger, stronger, faster. Those guys don't. Anyone getting by on athletic talent in college is not really going to get it done at the next level because mm-hmm. it's harder. Um, I, that's true to a point. There is apparently a point of athlete where you're so freaky that you can still get that done. Now, I think I definitely made that mistake with Cam Newton because you look at him now. I mean, I can't remember who it was. Chased him out of bounds last week, um, a, a, you know, a, a defensive end, and they're walking back onto the field. Like, Cam Newton is bigger than oh, that he's guy. Monster. He's a monster. And he's definitely faster and more athletic. Like, right. he's huge. And Josh Allen is kind of the same, right? You see this guy running around, you're thinking, yeah, well, of course you can do that at Wyoming against, you know, Mountain West teams and whatever. But that's not going to happen in the NFL where you're going up against high-end, first-tier, uh, first 99th percentile athletes. Turns out he's still kind of freaky enough to be able to do that, to be able to hurdle Anthony Barr, to, you know, to be able to do all the crazy things, make Kiko Alonso look ridiculous. Like, he's still that level of freaky. Now, the question is, is he a good enough quarterback for it to matter? Like, he's still a good enough athlete to be able to do – to be able to kind of do what he did at Wyoming, which is well, flash talent and make enough plays to look intriguing, but can he be a good enough quarterback? So I, we talked about it earlier, though, like the Jets, Cardinals, and Bills. Right. Bottom three situations when it comes to playmakers and offensive lines combined. Yes. The fact that Allen has made the Bills offense competitive. Mm-hmm. Now, it's either Nathan Peterman is literally the worst quarterback that's ever played, and statistically he is. Yes. The worst quarterback that's ever played. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe it's tough to gauge it against him. But, you know, Matt, Matt Barkley made the Bills look pretty good for a week. So maybe it's just Peterman and Derek Anderson. Yeah. Right? That's making – but 
Josh Allen's made them look pretty reasonable the last couple weeks. And when you do start building around him and Rosen and Darnold, I think all these guys get a little bit better. And so maybe the thing, that stuff that Allen's doing with his legs is just this like extra blessing in disguise, knowing that he'll probably be able to make a few more throws as things get a little bit easier. For but him. that's that's kind of the thing, right? Is that you've got this you've got this mitigating factor the fact that the offense generally is pretty bad around him so of course he's going to take off and have to scramble and do all this stuff himself but he did that and you had the same excuse in college as well but at this point it is a trend no, it's a the style question, thing, right yeah. and the, so the question becomes let's say you took him right now and put him in the best quarterback situation in the nfl how much would it change how much would he still be doing that because that's just in his nature that's what he does and how much of it is a product of the crap around him now, I don't think we know the answer to that question. I don't know. I'm not too worried about how often he's doing it. I'm just saying, like, when he actually passes the ball with better receivers, things will get a little bit better. Right. But, sure. I mean, that's also the big part of the improvement that needs to happen, right? right? Is that he's offsetting a lot of the bad quarterback play by doing spe- special athlete things. He's definitely he's last in adjusted completion percentage and right. all that stuff. So, how expected. much better of a quarterback can he become and remain a special athlete? Uh, bigger issue to keep an eye on, I think. Uh, I'm taking Buffalo because they've done a good job from a pass coverage standpoint. Matthew Stafford is playing like Alex Smith. He averaged 4.4 yards per attempt last week. His average depth of completion is one of the lowest in the NFL, if not the lowest. I mean, the Detroit passing game, especially since Golden Tate has left, has been a disaster. I'm taking Buffalo because of that. Do you know how many yards Tredavious White has given up this year? 30. That's no, more than that. That's, yeah, it is more than 150. that. 150. 236 all go. season long. Over 800 snaps. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Tredavious is good. Yeah. He's a very good player. Uh, I'm taking Buffalo, as are you. Yeah. A few other Detroits in there. Miami Dolphins at the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, we've got a full video on the YouTube channel I want to point people to where we discuss Kirk Cousins. You get to use your fun analogy. We're going to save it for the video. It's a great analogy. Go check it out on the video. Here's what Kirk Cousins is. Sam breaks it down in the video on the YouTube channel that says... What's wrong with Kirk Cousins? We had a very healthy discussion. Ultimately, though, Kirk Cousins is what we expected. Um, and because he is what we expected, this feels like a great game at home against a Miami pass defense that he will have a good game against them. Yeah. Um, it's the, the Vikings are a fascinating team right now because they're essentially in crisis mode, but they're still in pole position for the last wild card spot, which is not you know your average not your typical situation usually the teams hitting panic buttons and firing people are you know things that spiral well, look at dallas control. like dallas a couple weeks ago they're yeah. going to blow the whole thing up and they're leading the nfc east by a wide margin now right but they didn't usually the teams that do blow everything up uh, you know are in real trouble but so the vikings identified their scapegoat they kicked out the offensive coordinator Everybody's blaming Kirk Cousins because he's on $84 million over the next three years. They want to establish the run more because Mike Zimmer's offensive ethos is mired in 1987. Um, But they're best when they pass the ball. You've got me thinking. Yeah? Do we have time for that? We have a high-priced, potentially overpaid quarterback. We have an offensive coordinator change. Uh We have a quarterback who's a roller coaster every Uh single week. And we have a defense that's capable of really high-level play. Is it, though? It's capable of. Okay. I didn't say they do it. They're capable of. 2012 Ravens. There you go. Joe Flacco. Okay. Joe Flacco's having a terrible season. Uh-huh. They fire the offensive coordinator, completely change everything. He goes on his little run. Maybe Kirk Cousins. They sneak into the playoffs. He's ready for his playoff run. Maybe. Their Maybe biggest problem, though which I've maintained all this time, is that their offensive line is a disaster. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
and Kirk Well, Cousins. the Ravens will line got better down the stretch, too. It got better, and this may get Bryant better as McKinney. well. But it's, it's, Bryant McKinney. it's a disaster right now. It is yeah. terrible. And people keep saying, you know, oh, the Case Keenum had the same line last year, and look at him, 13-3. and three. One, he didn't. It's not the same line. Their best player, Joe Berger, retired. It is three different starters. Oh, by week 14, they'd already given up more pressures than they had last year. Right. And it's, but whatever. There's, the, there's three different starters, I think, right now, or maybe even four yeah. from that line a year ago. It is not the same offensive line. So that argument is immediately ridiculous. Um, two, that offensive line was what cost them at the end, right? Against the Saints, they should have lost. They, they line was getting killed. Cam Jordan was destroying that line at the end, almost got home on the miracle play. Plus, they required a play literally dubbed a miracle to win that game. Now, if they didn't, and they just crapped out of the playoffs in their first game, would he be using that as a positive? No. So what actually happened well, is... maybe, because they went 13-3 and with Case Keenum. We're just, like, regular season-wise, we Keenum's been We better. wouldn't be using that. We wouldn't be saying it, right? This team was, was in the playoffs, and it was one game away, Steve. One game. Really, it wasn't, though. It was The one game away thing. Yeah. yeah. Maybe so anyway... The offensive line absolutely came back to kill them in the postseason last last year. Um, and this year, it's just been all season long. They've given up 190 pressures. That's the most in the league by 15. Even on a per-snap basis, it's the third most. The line is terrible. The line is also why you can't just establish the run because you're the third worst in yards before contact. You can't open up the holes to establish the run. You need to embrace what you're good at, which is I have two of the top 10 receivers in the NFL. I have a quarterback that's capable of big-time throws. Air it out, boys. Got to keep chucking it. The end. Just chuck it off play action, though. Yeah. Off an unestablished run. That's the way to do it. Uh, we're all taking Minnesota in this game. Miami is still very much in the AFC playoff picture at 7-6. and six, Yeah. But they're not a very good team. 28th in overall PFF grade. Yeah. So I think something's got to give there. This looks like a tough matchup for Miami, but they continue to exceed expectations. So we'll see what happens. Washington Redskins at the Jacksonville Jaguars. We all have the Jags. I mean, the, the Jags beat the Colts six to nothing. This game might be nine nothing. Nine nothing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I had the mistaken the mistaken viewpoint that the Redskins could actually put together a game, even with Mark Sanchez. Turns out that was way wrong, way way wrong. Um, he wasn't as bad as the stats showed, but. Yeah, it wasn't nearly as good as Every, Josh Johnson, but everybody else was. Which is probably the team was probably bad. The issue. It was very bad. Yeah, I mean the the Redskins, they've been probably hampered more than any other team by injury. Like when you lose two quarterbacks, you're boned. Doesn't matter what happens. Like yeah. you down to your third string, you're screwed. Um, but they've also had offensive line injuries. They've had injuries everywhere else. They've just been really banged up in the wrong places, and obviously that's a problem coming up against the Jacksonville defense. That's With going to be a real issue. Cody Kessler. Yeah. Cody Kessler. The best idiot the hell for the idiot-proof of offense. Seattle Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers. Seahawks are rolling. They look like they're going to make the playoffs, and they should win this one. Right. Absolutely. Although, you know, Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins will give them. It's at home. Nick Mullins, George Kittle. Uh, Russell Wilson had a pretty bad game the other night. Yeah. And the worst interception of the season, I think. 49ers are legitimately dangerous at home. Like, they're a talent. they've got talent, and Nick Mullins is not terrible. Better game than you think? Than I think, think so, Just yeah. Because I think this might actually end up halfway close. All right. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles at the Los Angeles Rams. We're all taking the Rams. Wentz is out. Yeah. Um, check out our Rams analysis also on the YouTube channel. Some really good in-depth stuff on Jared Goff and what's happened in the last couple of weeks. I expect the Rams pass game to bounce back, though. That's the biggest key here. It's not the run game here. Teams are playing the pass. 
I think they can bounce back against this Eagles coverage unit that's ranked 26th in PFF. Grade. Right. The stuff that the Rams do on offense is essentially designed to confuse defenses, and that's defenses that know what they're doing. The Eagles have guys in the secondary that have no idea what they're doing. And yeah. when you start showing them stack bunch formations with various motions, they're just, just no, it's a train wreck waiting to happen. Yeah. The Schwartz defenses, too, they've had trouble in the past at times, you know, like matching up with that type of stuff. So it should be a good matchup for the Rams to bounce back offensively. And then Monday Night Football, we're all taking the Saints over the Carolina Panthers. Any reason for concern over the last couple of weeks? Drew Brees struggled against the Dallas Cowboys. And then at Tampa Bay, I, I kind of predicted the Tampa Bay game last week that it was going to be a little tougher than you expect. And then they pulled away. But Brees in the pass offense hasn't been nearly as good the last two weeks for the Saints. No, it hasn't. Um, I don't know that's a massive reason for concern because, you know, all the, all the good things are still there, right? It's not like anything disappeared. They lost X, and that's why they're struggling. It's all the good is still there. Drew Brees is still um, their quarterback. They've still got Michael Thomas. The offensive line is still good. There's no reason they should struggle long term is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, therefore, they should bounce back at some point. Uh, Saints defense playing really well right now, too. Right. So they lost to Dallas but gave up only 13. Played well against Tampa Bay and Jameis last week. <laughs> two road games. A um, little tough, tough little road stretch and that's, for the Saints. Like, that's kind of the thing. We, we started this season. It's like coming out of last season, we expected the Saints defense or the Saints period to be really good because their defense had been so good and the offense will obviously be good. But the defense wasn't to start this year, particularly in coverage. You know, Marshawn Lattimore didn't play anything like the way he's played last season. The defense has really started to kick on as the season's worn on. In particular, Sheldon Rankins has been playing out of his mind. Like his, if you look at his game-by-game grades, they just fire up into good as the season goes on. And elite the past few weeks, like his pressure uh, pressure rate over the past few weeks has gone through the roof. And like Cameron Jordan is an elite defender. When you give him one more guy that can dominate, that defense becomes a completely different unit immediately. Saints still they control their own destiny again because of the Rams' loss last week. Yep. Control their own destiny destiny to become the number one seed. We've talked about how important that is. So Saints can't screw up. Rams can't screw up. That's the uh, thing to watch at the NFC Yep, down the stretch here. Uh, do you want to get back to what grinds our gears? Do you, can you do this in a minute? What is it? You've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. The, the, uh, oh, the teabagging thing? We yeah. didn't do that? All right. Did we do it? I don't know. I don't think we did it. All right, fine. Everybody is, everybody is losing their mind because Quentin Nelson, the rookie guard from Indianapolis, has a habit of teabagging people when he takes them to the ground, right? For anyone that doesn't know what that is, you basically grind your groin in the face of the guy you just took to the floor, right? As you get up, you kind of crawl over him, basically really irritate the crap out of him when you do yeah, that. Yeah, now, yeah. Offensive linemen, offensive what line your people. What about that? Offensive line people love it. They're like, oh, look at that. It's amazing. Nasty. It's a fantastic thing, right? Bring in the nasty. If that was any other position, you would be calling that guy the dirtiest player in football. Can you imagine if every time Ndamukong Sue tackled somebody, he teabagged him on the way up? People would be losing their minds at how bad that is. What if Odell Beckham did it? Anybody. After anybody other than an offensive line, you would be saying that guy is an asshole. But because it's an offensive lineman, we, we, we celebrate that as a concept. If you're an asshole, it's a great thing for an offensive line. We like those guys to be nasty. So it's great. So that just that the, the double standard, right? It's either, it's either acceptable to teabag a guy after you've taken him to the floor or it's not. It can't be acceptable because he's an offensive lineman, but not because he's a defensive lineman. That's all I'm saying. All right, I'm with you. The end. I'm going to tell the offensive lineman that you're uh, upset at okay, teabagging. You do that. All right, guys, that's it. Week 15, you, I told you what happened on Thursday Night Football, 
And now we're looking forward to the rest of the action, of course. You guys can keep up with all the action over at ProFootballFocus.com. PFF Elite Package. Go and check it out with all your premium stats. Good luck if you guys are in your fantasy playoffs. It's usually semifinal week. This, what are you making faces at? I'm in the semifinals. I got a bye, which is the best way to do it, by the way. If you're so good in the regular season, you get a bye. You don't have to worry about week. Where are you going? I'm just giving you some fantasy football advice. This is the third straight week you have left early. It's, it's unacceptable. Good luck if you guys are in your fantasy playoffs. I know we've got a lot of listeners that do play fantasy football. Sam's out. I'm out. We'll talk to you guys on Monday with our Week 15 recap. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus nfl